Take with me in John chapter 12 and we'll pick it up at verse 37 and read to verse 42. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him, that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes, and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory, and spoke of him. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the, of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you, Lord, that your word is true and that it comes to pass in every manner to which you have prophesied that it should. And we, thought, we know, Father, that because of your great work of love and grace through the Lord Jesus Christ, that the plan of salvation would be fully made known in the process of time. And even those who were in unbelief unwittingly played a part in the fulfillment of those things, that the grace of God might be made known and that the gospel of Jesus Christ might go to the ends of the earth and that every man, woman, and child would have an opportunity to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. We give thanks and praise to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here we have a prophetic passage, of course, and it is one that was to be fulfilled. The very words of the prophet Isaiah which were given many hundreds of years before this, we find that now would come to pass, even as the Lord Jesus Christ uh, made himself known to a great many people uh, throughout the Judean hillsides and the villages and the places where he and his disciples went, and that he performed many miracles and did many signs and wonders in the witness of many people, yet we find they believe not on Jesus. And of course that is a statement which basically goes to the nation of Israel. Um, there were individuals, of course, who did believe on Jesus, but the nation did not believe on Jesus. He was not nationally accepted as a true Messiah of God. He was, even though he was hailed, with hosannas when he came into the city of Jerusalem, yet we find that they later cried, crucify him, and they willingly accepted a murderer over the Lord, and that the Lord was taken and crucified. And so it is rightly said that they unwittingly fulfilled prophecy uh, as they themselves rejected the Lord, and in unbelief, they did not receive him. And so um, 
looking at this passage here, we want to look at three areas. Um, and these taken right from the, the scripture here concerning the prophecy which Isaiah did make. Lord, who has believed our report? And uh, the second one, of course, to whom the arm of the Lord is, has been revealed. And the third, Isaiah gave the prophecy that they could not see, hear, or understand. And, of course, uh, part of this, this prophecy comes out of Isaiah chapter 6, and part of this prophecy comes out of Isaiah chapter 53. Um, so, uh, at, given at different times... And yet we find that this scripture finds its way into the New Testament and it finds its way um, out of the mouth of John who is giving this uh, truth concerning Christ. That the nation of Israel that Christ had come to were uh, rejecting him. So there were many miracles done by Jesus, of course, many miracles. And yet the, um, the great many miracles uh, that were witnessed and the miracles that were done, um, they still did not believe that Jesus was truly the Son of God. It is supposed here, of course, that John is giving a general statement about the condition of unbelief of the nation of Israel. Um, he's not just talking about the last two or three miracles that Jesus did. Of course, we know now Jesus has come to a critical time point in the timeline of his own life, that he would soon be captured by the chief rulers and the officers of the temple, and that he would be taken before Pilate. Um, and we know that his ministry would be drawing to a, con a conclusion. And the, still, uh, even though he had done all of these miracles, we find that the unbelief of the people was quite astounding. Adam Clark, in his statement, makes this comment. He says, this does not refer to any miracles wrought on the occasion, but to all his miracles wrought in view of the nation, in healing the sick, opening the eyes of the blind, raising the dead. John here gives a summary or the result of all his works, though Jesus had given the most undeniable proof of his being the Messiah, Yet the nation did not believe on him. Before them, before the Jewish nation, not in the presence of the people whom he had then was then addressing, but before the Jewish people, they believed not. The Jewish nation did not believe as a nation, but rejected Christ. They rejected him. Now as we think about that, we should be quite amazed that the nation of Israel would reject Christ. Given the prophetic nature of prophecy, given the, the fact of the history of the nation of Israel, that it possessed the oracles of God singularly, unlike any other nation in the world, they possess the oracles of God, the revelation of God, and yet they were not able to discern the right hand from the left. 
so to speak. They could not, they could not uh, understand, they could not see, could not hear, could not understand. Now, as we look back in history, we would have to say that Isaiah, as a prophet, uh, spoke, of course, to the nation of Israel in his day. He spoke concerning the unbelief of the nation of Israel, that they had turned unto the other nations around them for their uh, guidance and their help, you might say, as well as turning away from the true worship of Jehovah God and worshiping false idols and false gods. And were listening, of course, to false prophets and not the true prophets of God. And we find they were rejecting the very revelation of God that they were given. Um, now we know this, uh, obviously, because Isaiah himself was a prophet as well as were the other prophets which are so named in the Old Testament books. These were true prophets of God, and yet the nation itself rejected. And so we find that Isaiah's words come back to haunt them. Uh, the echoing of the prophecy of Isaiah comes through the time of history and of fulfillment to the very days when Jesus Christ was walking upon the earth. And we find that Jesus knew these very prophecies, of course, and he knew the fulfillment of them and what would transpire. Now, should that uh, surprise us? Um, I, believe it I believe it should. As believers, we should realize that, uh, that the scriptures always remain um, a great revelating truth to us. Um, we understand the scriptures as believers, but yet at the same time, um, perhaps you scratch your head on occasion and say, I can't figure out why they didn't know this. So as much as you, you, may, you may say presently, in, in, this, in this world, in this condition, and in our time in which we stand, you may say, oh, I think I would have realized that. <laughs> If you were a part of the nation of Israel, um, maybe not. <laughs> because uh, God was at work in the hearts of people and they still um, were rejecting him. <clears throat> and uh, very, very much so from the leadership down. And so we find these three areas of, pro of prophecy here. Uh, be beginning with verse 37 but though he had done so many miracles before them yet they believed not on him now uh, here, is a, here is a people that supposedly were looking for the signs and the very wonders of God that, the, that things may be confirmed and uh, well if we just go back a little bit and consider uh, the nation of Israel from its very inception and um, of the many times that God came to their rescue and did deliver them, uh, there were many signs and wonders which Jehovah God did for them. Uh, perhaps the most outstanding that we can think of would be the bondage in Egypt and the subsequent deliverance through uh, the, God's uh, man of the hour, Moses, and how that God brought many miracles at the hand of Moses and um, did deliver the people of God and for some 40 years in the wilderness performed signs and wonders over and over again and yet uh, there was much unbelief. 
And even as they were about to enter into the promised land under new management, uh, Joshua, uh, we do find that uh, they still were not without some reservation. Um, even Joshua found some difficulty with the people of God uh, at Ai and um, trying to follow the Lord at various times and not completely doing the will of the Lord. Well, here we are some uh, 600 years plus perhaps uh, later and we find that the Lord is still um, battling against the unbelief of his own people. Um, In fact, on more than one occasion, uh, Gentiles believed more quickly than did the Jewish people. But here we have um, the arm of the Lord. Well, see, uh, the Lord who has believed, who has believed our report, he says here. And of course, this comes out of Isaiah, um, verse 38, and uh, that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who hath believed our report? Now, the idea of report here has to do with not only message, but messenger. Uh, we know that God used his, his prophets to speak. And uh, we find that the speaking of the prophet was to be not only heard, but to uh, be observed. And uh, Isaiah found it difficult in his day um, in this, this manner of taking a message to the people. And uh, even God told uh, Isaiah that um, their hearts would be hardened against him that he would have trouble with them as far as being able to see and hear and understand um, the, the message that he would give to them. And so in John 12:40 he says, He had blinded their eyes and hardened their heart that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted, and I should heal them. Well, that sounds like an impossible statement, doesn't it? Um, It sounds like even if you wanted to believe, you couldn't, uh, doesn't it? And sometimes we we read passages like this, and we get a a sense, well, is God working for his people or against his people? But of course, uh, the, the story behind the story, as we might say, is that the nation had turned away from the Lord long before this statement was made of them. And in other words, um, even today, if if someone refuses to hear the gospel message, if they refuse to take into account that the word of God is the inspired revelation, if they refuse to believe that Jesus is the Savior, if they refuse to understand that the word of God is for them and that salvation truly is of of the Lord. If you come across a person like that, uh, this statement is as much perhaps true to them as it would be to the nation of Israel because they have rejected. And you see, that's where the nation of Israel was. They they were in the, the state of rejection against God. In a, in a state of rejection. And anyone who comes uh, to that particular place in life is at a very precarious place. Because as God has made us morally responsible to Him, then He requires of us 
to believe and to have faith and to believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so the nation of Israel had come to that place. They had come to that place of rejection. So first of all here, the message that Christ would heal their nation would fall on deaf ears. See, Jesus had come. He had given the message. John the Baptist had delivered the truth. The Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. John was even preparing the way for the Lord Jesus Christ. He is called the forerunner of Christ. Because he came preaching the kingdom of God was at hand. In other words, repent, be baptized, the kingdom of God is at hand. Stop your unbelief. Trust in Jesus. He is the Messiah. He has now come. And they rejected that message nationally. Yes, John did baptize many people. And Jesus was recognized by John. And so these things must be accomplished, that the word of the Lord would come to pass. But the nation was still living under rejection. And I think it's also it's important for us to see that um, though there were individual peoples or pockets of people in the nation who were, um, who were believing, Simeon and Anna recognized, for instance, that this was the Christ, and that time of consolation had come upon Israel. And, of course, we do find that there were many that Jesus did miracles uh, upon, and they believed and they trusted. Uh, yet we find that nation, the nation, the leaders, the religious leaders of the day, rejected and um, kind of a counterpart to that today is it's kind of like in the United States when when the the rulers or leaders of our of our nation reject something if it is rejecting God if it is rejecting um, the idea that religion is true and the, the people need to believe in God if they reject that ideology and religious truth about God and they become godless then where does the responsibility lie? You see, it relies first of all with the leaders of the nation. If the leaders of the nation reject even though some people in the nation believe we find that there is a rejection of or a state of unbelief upon the nation. And probably um, nations that we might say are in unbelief of God would, would be communist China, for instance. Or perhaps even India, who has many false gods but do not believe in the Christ, except for those that are being evangelized. Or what about Russia, who is bas basically under communistic uh, regime. And nations like this um, have rejected God. They may believe in a God, but it's not the true God. They may have idolatry, but it's not the true God. They, and so, if a national, if a national leaders reject God, then the nation has rejected God. Or the nation of Israel had rejected God because the national leaders had turned away from Ahab and subsequent kings after him. 
or who had turned away from God, we find the prophets often stood against these these uh, um, ungodly kings in the nation of Israel. And eventually, this ungodliness in the nation of Israel, in the leadership of Israel, who did not turn the people back to God, caused that the nation itself should be under rejection and unbelief and turning away from God. Well, isn't that one of the things perhaps most believers in the United States fear? Is that our nation would completely turn against God? And that turning against God, the blessing of God, would be withdrawn from the nation? And isn't that why that we pray for our president and for all who are in authority, that we might live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty? We recognize, too, that the same principle is in force. Even though the nation of Israel stood in a very singular and important place in human history, because they were the ones who were given the oracles of the true and living God, that they were given the salvation of the true God of heaven and earth, that Jesus Christ came in the fulfillment of time, that he might be born as the incarnate Son of God, and that being the incarnate Son of God, he would come as the true promised seed of Abraham that would redeem his people from their sins. And that if they would reject this great embodiment of truth, embodied truth within the word of God, then it is rightly true that the prophecies of Isaiah stood firm. Lord, who hath believed our report? Who hath believed our messengers? Who hath believed what we have preached? Who hath believed the oracles of God? Who hath hath believed the revelation of God, you see? And it it demands an answer. It is in the form of a question. And, And we find that the nation had rejected. The nation had rejected God. They had rejected the Lord Jesus Christ because He is the Son of God. And He came in the fulfillment of the covenants of the nation of Israel that a seed should come, a promised seed, a Messiah, a Christ, the anointed of God, and that redemption should come to Israel. And they rejected it. Who hath believed our report? And so the prophetic message of the Lord given to Isaiah was still in force. Therefore the Jewish nation was living in unbelief And many miracles had been done by Jesus. Still the nation remained as it was in the days of Isaiah when he saw the glory of the Lord in the temple. And of course that refers to Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. For the word of the Lord according to... uh, The word Lord according to the Strong's Dictionary here is, is not... Yahweh or Jehovah, this particular word, it was Adonai. And Adonai was a very kind of special word referring to my Lord. 
and wherever Adonai is used it has a stronger designation as it is in, might be in relationship to Jesus Christ and so Jesus the Son of God Jesus the, my Lord the Adonai of God the one who is known to us as my Lord uh, that is of course is Jesus Christ as we look elsewhere in the scripture in Psalm chapter 2 and verses 1 through 6 and I don't really have time to go there but as you know that that passage is a very significant passage concerning the rage of the nations against God but making the connection to Christ as the Lord and that king should be later set upon the holy hill of Zion um, it, there is a strong connection between the Lord, Lord, in Psalm 2, in relationship to Christ. Um, at one particular place, the psalmist says, Kiss the Son, lest he be angry. And we know that the Lord would have them in derision. And the Adonai of God would find the fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Scott, in his comments, makes this statement, and I'll, I'll read it to you. He says, The Almighty Sovereign, being fully aware of the intentions of his combined enemies, and this is in relationship to Psalm 2, and able to disconnect them in a moment, disdained their impotent rage as men deride and laugh at those who would but cannot hurt them. Yet at the same time, their enmity excited his wrath and by his powerful word determined to confound and destroy them, while he would establish his king, the Messiah, upon his throne and in his authority over his holy church, of which the temple and its worship and the kingdom of the house of David upon Mount Zion were types. Now remember, all this is being said in relationship to Psalm 2, where the nations rage against God where Jesus is mentioned as, as being son of God, where the Lord Adonai is, is in view, and where Jesus Christ, who came in the fulfillment of time to the nation of Israel, was being rejected. And even as, even as he was being rejected, did they rage against him? Did they, did they in great disdain reject him? And yet God determines to accomplish his purposes. According, continuing, according when the priests and the rulers prevailed on Pilate to crucify their anointed king, they eventually forward, forwarded his execution, uh, excuse me, exaltation. And their persecution of his disciples drove numbers to remote regions and greatly promoted the promulgation of the gospel. In other words, the spread of the gospel. Even as Pilate was, was looking to kill Jesus because he was part of the nations which were raging against God, as well as the nation of Israel, they became part of God's means of evangelizing the world. 
God would, would truly have them in strong derision and laugh at them, though they thought they were defeating him, though they thought their rejection was in victory over and in conquest over God, yet they themselves were, as it were, falling into the very plan and purpose of God, that the evangelization of the world might take place, even as Christ himself would be crucified. Continuing, after a time, the Roman legions, the executioners of divine vengeance, surrounded Jerusalem and at length destroyed the city of the temple and subverted both civil, both their civil and ecclesiastical state with the most unheard of miseries and destruction of the devoted Jew, the wretched remains of whom to this day scattered throughout the nations unwillingly attested the fulfillment of this ancient prophecy. Now what is Scott getting at here? It is to say this. Because the nation of Israel rejected Christ, they were rejected nationally and, and the blessing of God was withdrawn from them to the point that the nation of Israel in its unbelief was scattered throughout the world and still remains to this very day many of which are scattered throughout the world. And though the Jewish nation is coming back together, it is not yet fully embraced the Lord Jesus Christ as true Messiah and God. It has not. Fourthly, the Roman Empire too, having set itself against the cause of Christ, began directly to decline and at length sunk in unequal contest the Emperor Julian, also an apostate from Christianity, having overtaken to rebuild the temple, undertaken to rebuild the temple to restore the Jew, was strongly baffled and soon came to an untimely end, while the kingdom of Christ continues to this present time in contempt and defiance of the machinations of earth and hell. You see, um, even that nation, that Roman nation, which was against God, which took part in the crucifixions of Christ, which stood against the plan and purpose of God, uh, Rome fell. It fell. Because of its immoral nature and decline, God did not bless them at all. It's kind of like Babylon. Babylon may have conquered Jerusalem and dragged its people off into captivity, but God ch chastised Babylon and defeated them, moreover. Any nation which stands against the will and purpose of God is going to come to its abrupt end sooner or later, because God is going to make it so. And that is why one of that is one of the reasons why we as believers pray that that uh, our nation, our America, as it were, would not stand against Israel today, because we do not want to have such judgment brought against our nation. And it is right that we should pray for the nation of Israel, and it is right that we should say. Lord, keep our nation from turning its back on the people of God. Because to turn your back on the people of God is to turn your back on God. And that's what Rome found out. They may have been the chastening rod in the hand of God, but sooner or later God's going to use that chastening rod to pound on them. 
And that, of course, is what God did. He did it with Babylon, and he does it with any nation that stands against his purpose. Well, as we see here, the prophecy of Isaiah being spoken in verse 38, that the saying of Isaiah, the prophet, might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who hath believed our report? Uh, Not very many believed it. And certainly the nation rejected it. And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Well, as we look at this next uh, comment, to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed, we find that the prophecy of Isaiah in chapter 6, as given by the Lord, foretold a time of national rejection. Isaiah gave the prophecy that they could not see nor understand, nor be converted. And it seems that this state of national rejection would not be overcome by any natural means. Now remember God gave this particular prophecy in Isaiah chapter 6, and we could go back there if you like just for a moment. Isaiah chapter 6 and read part of that it of course is a very uh, pivotal prophecy for Isaiah because it would impact Isaiah in a very important way in Isaiah chapter 6 in the year that King Uzziah died I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Notice the the word Lord is in lowercase, Adonai. And above it stood the seraphim, and one had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And there the word Jehovah of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him who cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am unclean. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched my lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go, and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, 
and understand with their heart and be converted and be healed. And then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant and the houses without man and the land be utterly desolate and the Lord hath removed men far away and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land well you can only imagine that verse 12 has something to do with the Babylon captivity and of the disbursement of the Jews throughout the world and then verse 13 but yet in it shall be a tenth a remnant if you will and it shall return and shall be eaten as a teal tree and as an oak whose substance is in them when they cast their leaves so the holy seed shall be the substance of it. Which uh, offers to Israel some promise of remnant or a promised seed that should be remain, that should remain. But of course this is a great message all of its own. As Isaiah says, woe, low, and go. And those three, uh, three different verses there, verse 5, verse 7, and verse 8, and many evangelistic messages have been taken from that. Woe, low, and go. Um, but it's important for us to realize that the connection between that Old Testament prophecy and Christ, the connection between Lord Jehovah, who is the Lord of hosts, and Lord Adonai, who is seen in Psalm 2. And the connection between Christ in his present ministry in that first century when he himself was upon the earth presenting himself as the true anointed king and messiah of God and the people of the nation of Israel who by and large rejected him. And the prophecy of Isaiah. Who hath believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Well, of course, we, we know who rejected that report, that message, that prophecy. It was the nation of Israel. And we know to whom the arm of the Lord was revealed. It was revealed to the nation of Israel. And even though they had undeniable proofs of, of who Christ was, and of, of the Lord God in their day, yet they rejected. And perhaps we marvel at this. But yet, we must understand that all this must come to pass, that the word of the Lord would be fulfilled at the mouth of the prophet. Because if a true prophet gave a prophecy, they were only known to be true if they came to fulfillment. And every prophecy of the word of the Lord is fulfilled in its time. In its time. Have all of them been fulfilled? No. But they will be. But they will be. The nation of Israel must confess Jesus as the Messiah. Uh, just to show that this integration, if you will, between Isaiah and here in John chapter 12. Let's turn also to Romans chapter 10. 
because it seems that the integration of these of these uh, words, this prophetic fulfillment, the prophecy given in Isaiah chapter six and the subsequent fulfillment in Christ's own day, would be ongoing. Even so much that the Apostle Paul would use similar words in, words in his message in Romans chapter 1. Well, just read down through here for a moment. Uh, chapter 10 of Romans. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Uh, Paul desired that, that Israel would be saved. He realized of the rejection that they had made concerning the Christ. In fact, Paul himself was a part of that people who rejected the Lord and was brought to faith on the road to Damascus. By the very grace of God was he brought. And now he is an apostle to the Gentiles. But yet his heart's desire is also that Israel might be saved. Verse 2, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. See, they, they lack the knowledge. See... To see, to hear, to have the understanding. Isaiah says it's going to be, they're going to be deaf and dumb and blind and not be able to understand. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So Paul came to that stark conclusion. He says, Christ is the end of the law. Christ is the beginning of grace. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man who doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise, saying, Not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is, to bring Christ again from the dead, but what saith it? The word is near thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith... Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Here is the message, here is the report, here is the prophecy of God going forward. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? Paul even uses the very same words. Who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the end of the world. 
Well, we'll stop reading right there for the moment. But I think you might get the point at this, at this juncture. Paul made a connection between Isaiah and what Jesus, John said about Jesus in John chapter 12. And now Paul is using similar language in Romans chapter 10. All because he had a burden for Israel. All because God is the one who says it's not according to the commandment, it's according to grace. The righteousness of God is by grace. And we find that the universality of this great message of redemption is so profoundly stated in the Word of God that it's a good idea that you go back to to Psalm 19. For in Psalm 19, we find that it says that sound went out through all the world. That is the same message of prophecy and of redemption, the same message of revelation, the same message that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In Psalm 19 he says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out to all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Well, just so that you can see, uh, in John chapter 10 and verse 18, But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went out into all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. That statement in, in John chapter 10, verse 18, comes from Psalm 19. Why? Because the universal revelation of God to man comes through two different means. It comes by natural revelation and it comes by, by direct revelation. It's called the ontological argument. That nature itself gives the gospel of God in its simplest form, in its simplest and most profound way, that all the world is without excuse because the sound of the gospel has gone out through nature to all the world. And that God, the very heavens itself, declare the glory of God, and the heavens showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge, and there is no speech nor language where the voice is not heard. And you see, this revelation of God to man, you see, is so universal. It is so importantly stated to every heart of uh, an individual who has an ear to hear and eyes to see and a mind to understand that by faith they can come to faith in God and believe. Also, if you would turn back to Psalm 19 just for a few moments and close this out because the second part of that revelation is right there also in the same psalm. Beginning with verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. 
The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in the keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and then shall I be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord.